This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest of my podcast this week is Dr. Diane Hamilton, author of Cracking the Curiosity Code. Well, I first started writing the book because I was very interested in what kept people from being curious. I really found four factors impacted curiosity, which were fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. My hope was to help individuals and organizations to develop what I think is such a key trait It's the spark that leads to motivation and to drive. And for you to, to, to get anywhere with communication, critical thinking, leadership, creativity, teamwork, engagement, you name all the top issues that leadership struggles with. Once you're able to get all those uh, factors in line, and then once you're innovative, you're productive, and you know everybody's engaged, and, and it kind of solves all the problems. And, and so that's what I thought was so fascinating. What I was trying to do was just kind of figure out what's the spark behind it all that's that we could fix. And, and that's what I kept coming back to was improving curiosity. This is Diane. She has contagious passion for improving interpersonal communication. In addition to being a nationally syndicated radio host, award-winning speaker, author and educator, Dr. Hamilton is a thought leader in the field of leadership, sales, marketing, management, engagement, personality, curiosity and motivation. To help improve relationships in the workplace and performance as a result, Dr. Hamilton draws on her decades of work experience in a variety of industries such as software, computers, corporate training, pharmaceuticals, real estate and so forth. She's a sought-after expert in emotional intelligence and her research has been published widely in peer-reviewed journals. She's the creator of the Curiosity Code Index and the author of four books sold worldwide. Cracking the Curiosity Code, the Online Student User Manual, How to Reinvent Your Career, and It's Not You, It's Your Personality. Her book regarding personalities was required reading at an Arizona-based university, where she was also nominated for an honorary doctorate in addition to her traditionally obtained PhD in business management. The release of her latest book, Cracking the Curiosity Code, triggered me to invite Diane to my podcast. We explore why curiosity is such a key trait to develop in relation to innovation and dealing with top business issues. We do a deep dive on the four factors that impact curiosity and what to do to start growing the curiosity level inside your organization. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, 
that what made you successful in the past isn't likely going to help you survive in the future. And growing your curiosity index is the key to your success. Secondly, why you have to watch out to avoid aimless curiosity in your organization and what to do about it. And thirdly, that a critical way to grow a culture of curiosity starts when top management shows the way. They need to walk the talk. Well, Diane, thank you very much for joining my podcast and uh, making the time available to discuss your new book, Curiosity Code. Before we start, can you do a little bit of introduction about who you are yourself and, and um, what drives you, what drives you in, in business, in life? Well, uh, thank you for having me on. This is so nice of you to ask. I'm very interested in curiosity and the stuff that drives people to become more curious because I, I think because I have done so many different things and been around so many different people that I saw such a difference between some of the people who I interview on my radio show versus some of the people who I teach in the courses I teach and the level of interest that people had in curiosity was such a, you know, diverse amount. And I think that probably led to my interest in curiosity, but my background is really in so many different areas. I've had 30 years of sales. I've had sold everything from uh, pharmaceuticals to, you know, lending and banking and real estate and different areas like that, which led to my teaching and I've taught more than a thousand business courses online for multiple different universities. And so I, I kind of done a lot of different things. That's the one good thing about doing so many different things. And you, you have a lot to talk about when you get on a, your own radio show, when you interview people and uh, you know what that's like. There's always somebody interesting to talk to. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> but I mean, curious about curiosity, what's in a word. So you wrote a book, but, but what, was the, what triggered the book? What is the big idea behind it? Well, the big idea behind it was, okay, well, I first started writing the book because I was very interested in what kept people from being curious, and I wanted to write about curiosity. And as I started to write the book, I started to realize I don't want to just write a book explaining curiosity because there's books out there about that. I mean, there's great books about motivation and drive and different things that are kind of associated with curiosity. I mean, I love Daniel Pink's books and, you know, sure. Simon Sinek's, and there's a lot of great books out there. But I, I wanted to look at it differently. And I started to realize as I started to write it that I needed to do more than write the book, that I had to create an assessment to go along with it because I didn't want to just say, well, it's important to be curious. I wanted to find out what was keeping people from being curious and help them to do to become more curious. And the only way you can do that is to find out where they are to, so you know how to move forward. So I, I started to create the assessment, which was really challenging because you have to really find, you know, do factor analysis and all this crazy statistical analysis to make sure you're, you're, you're asking the, the right questions. True. And I really found four factors impacted curiosity, which were fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. And uh, so as I did that, I created the assessment in conjunction with the book. And it was all, my hope was to help individuals and organizations to develop what I think is a, such a key trait, because it if curiosity is something that I think, you know, if you look at all the research, it's the spark that leads to motivation and to drive. And for you to, to, to get anywhere with communication, critical thinking, leadership, creativity, teamwork, engagement, you name all the top issues that leadership struggles with, you have to have motivation and drive. And to get that, you have to develop curiosity. So all of that, 
all ties into innovation once you're able to get all those uh, factors in line. And then once you're innovative, you're productive and, you know, everybody's engaged and, and it kind of solves all the problems. And, and so that's what I thought was so fascinating. I mean, everything I researched from emotional intelligence and soft skills, which I'm, you know, I wrote my dissertation, emotional intelligence. So that was something I looked at as well. And I think what I was trying to do was just kind of figure out what's the spark behind it all that's that we could fix. And, and that's what I kept coming back to was improving curiosity. Interesting. So your hypothesis is that people or organizations that get this right are more, in, more innovative than their peers. Right. And I think it's a really, you know, right now, I think a lot of leadership consultants, uh, you know, are trying to become relevant and, and find the thing that helps organizations succeed and to, to create, you know, an innovation that's completely different from anything out there. They have to be, think completely differently than they used to think. I mean, instead of making a better flip phone, you know, the iPhone changed everything. Now everything looks like an iPhone, right? So you have to be able to think like that. And to do that, there's really two types of curiosity. There's perceptual state curiosity and epistemic trait curiosity. And I'm working with, you know, the trait curiosity is really your internal curiosity. And that's what I'm talking about. And you can develop that. It's about acquiring knowledge. I mean, goal-oriented, problem-focused knowledge, then that will lead to, to innovation. Yeah. Okay. I forgot already the two names that you've uh, highlighted there. But well, first, what, trait what, and state yeah. is probably the easiest. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So, so you've, the, the, the book highlights four different areas of, of curiosity. And, and uh, when, you, when you go online, you can... You can do a test and see where you are. So this is about fear. I wrote down, let me see, fear, assumptions, technology, and environment. So right. can you explain each of them in short? Like, how do they influence uh, the curiosity levels of people? Well, I, I think it's really, uh, I made it easier. I put it as fear, assumptions, technology, environment to remember it easier as fate, you know, as an acronym. Yeah. But fear encompasses so many things. And really, when I started to do this research, I thought, wow, a lot of it's going to be fear. And it was, but it was pretty evenly distributed, which was surprising to me. I thought fear would be so heavily weighted, and it it wasn't. But it is a huge factor of all the things I tested. And the four biggest factors were the ones you mentioned. But as far as fear goes, I mean, no one wants to look stupid, right? Nobody wants to ask that question that makes them look unprepared, or they don't want to be rejected. You know, all the things that go under that. And yeah, a lot of people fear change. Some of it is overlap. You might fear technology, for example, but yeah. a lot of it is fear of failure, fear of embarrassment, and just loss of control. And I, I, I've seen younger generations a little bit better with the fear of failure thing. I think a lot of organizations now are starting to look at failure as learning tools and lessons and that type of thing. But, you know, the boomers, man, you couldn't fail. You would just be lambasted, right? <laughs> so it was, it was, it's just a sure. different time. So I think that there's a lot of it has to do with environment, what we'll come up with in a minute. But fear is a, a big factor that holds people back. Do you want me to just go on to assumptions? Yeah, yeah, sure. and, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And then, well, okay. So as, as we're talking about assumptions, that's the little voice in your head. You know, you think about it. The one that says, oh, I'm not interested. It sounds boring. Why is this even necessary? Why bother? It's too much work. I mean, just think of all the things that 
we assume we're not going to be interested in because we didn't like it in the past, or it was just something that I didn't see any value in learning or, you know, so you have this little voice in your head that just kind of sends you down this path of not wanting to do something that maybe is interesting. And maybe it wasn't interesting to you because you had a teacher or somebody else who explained it to you that made it not interesting at the time. I mean, as you, you know, I think about traveling and things that I've done and things that I learned in science or history class were so different that when you see them in real life, you go, well, that's interesting this way, right? So it just, a lot of it is perspective of how you learn it. And then technology can be something that holds people back because of, you know, either it does it for you or it seems too overwhelming and you don't know where to start or how to learn it, especially if it's something you didn't grow up with. You know, I I mean, the latest technology, I should say, everybody grows up with some form of technology, but it can be overwhelming. And sometimes it takes a lot of critical thinking skills. And that's something we work on in the training courses. You know, a lot of these things tie into all these leadership issues. And technology is, is a problem for a lot of companies because people get behind or, you know, they aren't aware of the potential of what they can do with it. And that can be problematic for them. In, in a lot of aspects, because, you know, technology, if they learn it, they c- it could send them in so many different directions that they hadn't even considered. Correct. And then the, the final one is environment. And environment is everything. I mean, from your family to your teachers, to your work relationships, to, to you know, peers, any, anything that you can think of uh, growing up or, and in your current life. I mean, just consider the fact if they cloned you right now, and raised you again, even with the same parents, you wouldn't be the same person because your experiences would be different. And your environment really can impact, you know, if you had a teacher that had to teach to the test or had needed pressure for them to to stick to curriculum and, you know, maybe you're interested in something, they just, they have too many kids, they can't just answer every single question. And you might've had bad working relationships or your family always expected you to do a certain job or a certain, you know, just take over the family business or whatever it is. So there's so many factors. And it was really interesting to, to see that these were the four main factors. I can imagine. And it's, it's fun to see that they are all sort of equal. But do you see that also? I mean, not sure how far you, you went with, with this in respect to the various sectors but do you see this across the board every sector similar type of uh, well you know the time will tell as far as that goes because it's just so new we've we just had the peer-reviewed research published on the the initial trials and all that but it just got launched the actual cci is available as of last monday so as each industry and each group starts to, to become certified to give it and we get more data, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. I, mean, I, I didn't, in the initial research, you know, look at the different industry by industry data. Uh-huh. We were looking more, you know, male, female, different things like that age uh, and that kind of thing, but we didn't go into industry. Do you see, by the way, that, that the pattern is changing with regards to age groups or, or maybe gender? You know, it was pretty evenly dispersed, which was in- yeah. interesting to me. I, 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 the thing that interested me the most was the, the, the spread on the four factors of how even that was. I think technology was the lowest of the four, but they were still pretty, you know, even. And so I, I think everybody struggles. I, I think it just depends. You know, everybody's had influences uh, and everybody starts off very curious as a kid. And then yeah. as, you know, that's what the, I would imagine. 
Right. You, as you get into, into grade school and people don't have time to answer every single question, you, you see a huge decline, you know, and, and you, it, it's something that it just happens to everybody. But anybody who's had more than one kid will tell you that they start off different right from the beginning. I mean, no two babies have the same sense of curiosity that I, you know, at least with my kids, I could see a huge difference. And I think, you know, I, I think that everybody has a lot of curiosity, of course, at the beginning, because it's, it's something we need for survival. But as, as we grow, I mean, I'm sure your personality has some impact as well. And so it's really fascinating to me when I've done these certification training courses with the different HR people and everybody who's trying to get certified to give the CCI they just get so excited in the courses because this is such cool stuff. It's so different. There's nothing like this out there. Yeah, I can imagine. So well, what you would expect at the end is that your curiosity index, as, you, as you've invented it, uh-huh. will only go down over time because of the fact that there are more factors that, you know, that, that starts to impact you. So my, what's, what's curious to me then is that you know, how do you get it from, from one level to the other level? And is there... Are there recommendations about, for example, okay, uh, work on this or work on that, work on fear, work on assumptions, whatever? Right. Yes. And that's what they get when they, when they take the curiosity code index. You can actually just take the assessment now. You don't have to have it delivered by a certified professional. Okay. The, but it is, it's available at curiositycode.com. You could take the assessment. In the assessment, it'll give you your, your scores for each of these nine sub factors within the four factors. And so there's 36 questions basically that you take. And then at the end of each factor, there is an example of a scenario. If you had a problem with, you know, competition that makes you fear, you know, saying something, it'll give it a scenario and it'll show you, this is how you can create an action plan to overcome that. And it'll tell you how to make it measurable, how to, you know, what, how to overcome issues that might come up that would stop you. So it gives you an outline of how to fix your, you know, situations that are problematic for you. If you actually go and take this in a certified training session by a certified professional who's gone through this training, that's one of the exercises that you will do. Uh But you'll also do another exercise where you do an overall uh, report that will be created that everybody in the the course will give input for all those things that I mentioned earlier, critical thinking, uh, engagement, innovation, all the things that, that are the things that leaders struggle with. And now that, that everybody in the workshop has learned how to improve at a personal level in the first part of the assignment, the second assignment helps them help the organization to help them develop as, uh, in all these other major areas. So it's a really unique training program for that because it's not just saying, oh, here's your letters, here's what you are, have fun with that. It's going, here's, how, here's what you are, here's how you can help it. it personally, and here's how you can help the organization help you make it be a better organization. Fascinating. Well, you know, my, my, my audience and my, my business is all about the software industry. So it's all about technology. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see whether, whether the, for example, in that particular industry, there's a fear of technology to, uh, to be curious about. Because yeah. <laughs> I think It'll... it's actually the opposite. Maybe, is there also a negative index on this? That you're... You, know, it's, you, uh, you can be too curious, you mean? Yeah. yeah, well, there's distracted curiosity. I mean, there's, there, you know, remember when I said there's trait and state curiosity when I was talking about mostly trait curiosity? Yeah. Well, under trait curiosity, there's something called diversive, which is motivated by boredom. Like you're, you're just aimless and you're not productive. Uh-huh. And so 
we're working on keeping people uh, not being aimless because we're giving them goal-oriented problem-solving ideas of how to become uh, more specific and, you know, to acquire knowledge type of uh, trait curiosity. So yes, I mean, it, you know, there's people that'll just, you know, play Candy Crush all day because they're curious if they can get to the next level. So uh -huh. we don't want that. No, true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, one of my first jobs was selling as a, I, th I think we worked in, 19, in the mid 80s. We worked at uh, selling with IBM software. So I, I saw a lot of innovation for the time. And a lot of, even in that industry, people were worried about their jobs being replaced and who's going to do you know, this job now. The computers are taking over. And then we found that there was just, you know, then you had computer operators and new jobs. And, and so that's what we're trying to, to come up with. What's the next thing? At the time, I mean, we had no idea there will be social media managers because we didn't even know there'd be social media or internet or anything back then, that's right? right. That's so you, you, we want to get people thinking way ahead. And it takes curiosity, I believe, to get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, are there certain flavors of curiosity because your your the concept of the curiosity index you know fear the assumptions technology and environment are kind of the how do you say that the, they, they they inhibit curiosity in, in right. one way or the other right but then when you when you figure out okay this is this is where i'm hold back do you also then see that different people bring different levels of curiosity to the game that potentially have a, a bigger or, or, or less impact on, uh, on, for example, innovation? Well, I think everybody brings a different level of everything to the game. You have different levels of emotional intelligence. You have yeah. different levels of you know, critical thinking. And this is just one of those things that you're going to have yeah. some people who you can develop it more in a, some than others, just like some babies are born with, you know, a little more curious than others. But I think that the real trick is to take what we have and develop our, to our fullest potential of what we can have. That's my goal. So there's, there's no such thing as too much. Well, there, I don't, you know, I think that it, if you stay on task with goals and problem focused, yeah, you can, you know, that's great. And I don't think there's too much of that type of curiosity. Do I, I think there's too much diversive boredom, aimless curiosity. Yeah. You could develop that too much. But I don't think you can develop the type of curiosity that we're working on with this. No, and I mean, what you're talking about in terms of the, the impact, you know, increased engagement, increased innovation, mm -hmm. increased revenue and mar or margin, reduction of costs. So those, those, these are all very important topics. Right. Do you see that companies that, that, that want to, well, that work with this index pick one particular topic or... Well, I think what I like for consultants and uh, HR people when they're training, you know, to, to talk to leadership about is their top issues that they'd like to, to, you know, have an impact on right off the bat. What are your pain points right now, right? True. And a lot of them are working with engagement issues, uh, you know, conflict, uh, teaming, you know, all the different things, uh, creativity. Uh, most of them want to talk innovation right now just because of all the talk about AI and all that, yeah. you know what I mean? So... What I think it's best to do is to start with your main pain points of what you want to work on. And a lot of the other ones will fall into line anyway, because once you've, you work on curiosity, that's the great thing about it. It's kind of like a buckshot. It <laughs> goes everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, once you get your innovation right, yeah. likely what you will see is that your revenue will go up, that you will get larger value for, your, for, your, uh, for the product that you sell, which is increasing margin and so on and so on. Right. 
Yeah. And of course, you have different people in organizations that have different skills that, that are more, maybe more better, well, better on the revenue side, maybe better on the operational side. And uh, in all of those areas, it is required to, to innovate because innovation to me is not something that is bound to a particular team that just does that. Right, right. I mean, it's got to be company-wide, the culture, I, agree, I believe. Exactly. That- Every, that you can apply it to any job of, based on what you're, you're doing to make you more uh, well-rounded and more open to, to different ideas within the job. Some jobs are just done mindlessly because it's always been done that way exactly. when it, it doesn't have to be that way. And does that, for example, then fall in the category of environment? It could. Yeah. You know, it just, it, well, environment really is the, the things that have impacted you in the past. So if everybody has always told you that this is how you need to do this job, you've never opened up your mind to thinking that it could be done a different way. Yeah. Uh, I had an example in the book of a hospital in England where they couldn't get their beds turned around and patients moved, you know, in a very efficient way. Uh-huh. And they were having a lot of problems. And the one leader happened to see a, a race car team put together the car with, you know, flip the tires, do everything in seven seconds. And he's like, well, why can't we be like that? He had them come in, look at what they were doing and they get, made some suggestions and it improved by 50%. Okay. So you can think outside your silo and you can think outside your company and you can think that, you know, you can, there's so many ways to think. And a lot of us just think inside our little silo, inside our little job, inside our little cubicle and don't even go beyond that. And that's yes. what I'm trying to, to, to change. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like so logical to me. I mean, that's the way I think, you know, I always go and look at why are these guys doing it like this? And what yeah. can I learn from that? Well, I want people to ask those questions and some people don't ask those questions. And that's, that's really an important thing to, to open up your mind to, to thinking like that. That's true. Yeah, that's com- completely true. So, I mean, from all the work that you've been doing to write this book, what has been, well, you just mentioned already an anecdote about, about the, the Formula One team. Mm-hmm. What, is, what has been an, an example that, that fascinated you? Well, I, I think that there's a lot of examples in the book of people who have created things just out of curiosity, like the guy who created Velcro just because the burrs were stuck to his clothes and he's like, why won't, why won't these come off? And uh-huh. he looks at the microscope and sees how it's got like a hook and eye kind of thing on the burrs, right? So it won't, wouldn't that be a great way to make Velcro? So I, I think just asking why questions is what I'm trying to, to do. And when you see something happening and you think, oh, that's kind of interesting in nature, just in general, why does it do that? Or why doesn't it do that? Or, you know, and, and I want people to just think of things that just every day you just take for granted of why something happens or does a certain thing. How could that mechanism of action be used for something else? Maybe. True. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I'm smiling here because I mean, when we were talking about kids and and uh, and how kids are typically more curious than than people that that are older there, I mean it was the typical question that my kids always ask, like the why question, and uh, sometimes they blame me still still about it. You know, there you have it again, <laughs> asking why or why and why again. <laughs> Last week I did a training in in Birmingham, and it was the question. So it's it's, so <laughs> it's, it's it's the most powerful question you can ask. You know. It is. You know, I was on a bus in Vail going skiing a few years back and the little girl in the back of the bus kept saying, Porqué, mama, porqué. She said it about a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. 
And I thought it was so adorable. But, you know, it's it, that's what kids do. You know, they want to know. And I want to sure. get more, uh, less, you know, of that influence from the environment and everything else uh, impacting that. I think sure. maybe you don't need to bug your boss by asking them why all the time, but you could ask yourself that question by and research that question. <laughs> I completely agree. So from, from the... Um... Yeah, the, the wisdom that you created writing the book, what would you advise CEOs to do different? I mean, in terms what, of, well, do different in terms of the thinking and approaching their, well, 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 their people in a different way. Well, I think, you know, to, I mean, Marshall Goldsmith's book, you know, what got you here won't get you there kind of thinking is, is really important for leaders to think like that because I th I've worked for leaders who just hold on to dear for dear life onto the way that, that got them to where they are because it really was great at the time yeah. but then supply and demand change something's different and it doesn't work anymore that's and I, I think that that's the biggest problem i see is that what was successful in the past gives people a sense of comfort but it's status quo thinking and it's just not going to get you there in the future and you you have to to look outside because those who keep doing the things that they did in the past, Kodaks of the world, the blockbusters of the world, look what happened to them. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's on, a, on a scale that everybody knows, but uh, there are so many small versions of that as well. So I completely agree with that. And actually I'm, I'm writing my own book and it's, that is a part of the chapter I'm currently working on. Like what are the shifts that you have to start recognizing? Because right. a, lot of these, a, lot of, a lot of the time they are so subtle that by the time you recognize things have changed, you know, you're simply too late. Right. You have to be very proactive. And, exactly. you know, I mean, Covey's book, you know, The Seven Habits, the first one was being proactive. And I've taught classes in foresight at technology schools. And, you know, that's, that's a really important trait to develop in, in organizations. And that's to be proactive. You have to ask the questions. What, what, what could happen? Where are we going? And it's all question asking and it goes back to curiosity. True. So, I mean, to make it practical, what's, what could those organizations, those, those, those leaders do to, to make the first step? Well, I'd hope that they would have everybody in their company take the, my CCI curiosity code index. They could also, if they want to just start a dialogue within the organization about, you know, what kinds of things have you know, what can we do to support you? What is holding you back from asking questions? I think it, the culture has to start at the top. And if, if, if leaders think that people feel comfortable asking questions, but people really don't feel comfortable asking questions, that has to be uncovered. And I think sometimes it takes outside consultants to pull in that kind of awareness because employees don't feel comfortable enough to, to make that known. So I think there's a lot of helpful mediation type of things can can help but i really think if leaders show a really honest desire to improve curiosity and yeah, that yeah. there's and they they prove it by doing it themselves by saying here i'm going to ask a question that i normally wouldn't ask because it'll make me look stupid i would like to know the answer to this and they 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 go you know do by example i think that that's a really good first start to say you know i realize that maybe we've made it uncomfortable for people to pose ideas or questions that we didn't realize we were doing that and we really want to get some feedback of and ideas and no no question is a stupid question and you have to really mean it if you're if, if people still feel like they're being 
you know, criticized or some, there is not the, the weight behind what they're saying, then sure. it, it won't get anywhere. Well, that's where your, where your fear comes in again. Correct. Yes. And environment, you know, I mean, it's just, it all comes in and, you know, it, these things overlap. And I, I really think for you to know where to, to go forward, you need to find out where you are now. And that's why I thought the CCI was so important. Sure. You really need to get your baseline and then a plan to move forward based on that. I completely agree. So what is next for you? I mean, you've, you've launched your book, CCI index is now live. People can do the test. What is your exp- uh, aspiration with this? Well, you know, uh, it's, there's so many things. I'm talking to some major people about putting it into apps. I'm talking about to some major people uh, putting it in universities worldwide. It's just the amount of attention I've received has just been, uh, it's hard to keep up, actually. Uh, we, we're launching the CCI training in the next couple weeks. So I, even though I've done it locally with a lot of consultants in a personal way, we're going to launch the on-demand video version of the uh, Becoming Certified to give this. CCI. And I have a lot of consultants and HR people who are waiting to do that because you actually you get five hours of uh, SHRM recertification credit, which is big here. And also there's a lot of uh, benefits in terms of, you know, discounts from on giving the CCI online and and a lot of other things. And so if they go to curiositycode.com, they can find out all of the things that we're doing uh, with the book, with the assessment, with the training, and eventually we'll be adding uh, a lot more higher level training and other uh, aspects to it. But uh, it, it's been really exciting. I, I mean, I, I can't get over the, the interest and the, oh, I've been overwhelmed by the support by people like Steve Forbes and Ken Fisher. And I mean, you know, uh, Keith Kroc wrote the forward of my book and yeah. Keith Kroc is one of my, you know, he's just an inspiration to so many people. He's the former chairman of DocuSign yeah. And so many people have been behind this book, big names that, I, I mean, I, the list just goes on and on. Well, I mean, it's, it's the number one thing that everybody's always talking about. We need to keep innovating. Right. And you've, you've sort of outlined the secret for this. It's <laughs> also what I like about it. It's the code. So, yes. it's, so, so what is your big ask? What, I mean, if there's anybody listening that, that can help you, what would you ask them? Well, I, first of all, I, I would think everybody who's in the working world, I really think should take a look at t- getting their their CCI uh, results. They can do that at curiositycode.com. If they're a consultant or an HR professional or you know, a leader or anybody who anybody wants to get certified, that's the same website to go to for that. And to, sure. or you can contact me, uh, Diane at drdianehamilton.com personally. Is, that's my email. And I can get you information about how to become certified to, to give the assessment. And I, I think I'd, my, my goal is to get all organizations certified or uh, leadership consultants certified so that just like if they gave the emotional intelligence tests or DISC or any other personality type of a training, engagement type of training, this is another very important tool in their arsenal to help leaders yeah. succeed. Completely agree. Well, I mean, you already answered my, uh, my next question. Where can people go to find out more about you? So that leaves me to thanking you. Uh, this was truly inspiring. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. I, I'm really looking forward to your book, and I can't wait to have you on my show so we could talk about that. But uh, thank you so much. This has been all in my honor. Same to me. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Dr. Diane Hamilton, author of Cracking the Curiosity Code. 
The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.